This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thursday the 13th of September 2012 in this Seasiders podcast special we have a exclusive interview with the Blackpool FC legend that is Brett Ormerod and that's about it it lasted for 48 minutes Blackpool Football Club supporters out there, welcome back to the Seasiders Podcast, episode 67, interview with a legend, interview with Brett Ormerod, and in the studio today, it's just me, no one else, just me and you, dear listener. Um, yeah, as I said in the interview, uh, this is an exclusive um, episode of the Seasiders Podcast, exclusive in that. Uh, I secured an interview with uh, Brett Ormerod, the uh, Blackpool FC legend that is Brett Ormerod. Um, I had a great chat with Brett about uh, both his spells at Bloomfield Road, uh, the two playoff finals he he played and scored in, um, and we went to talk on talk about his horrendous leg break at Wickham. Um, then we talked about the thing, other things like the state of the training pitch at Bloomfield Road, um, our bittersweet season in the Premier League. His time at Southampton, favourite managers, chairmen he's played in it, oh, and so much more. It's It went on for so long. Me and Brett had such a great time. Well, I did. Not sure about him. Uh, we actually chatted for 48 minutes. So, um, yeah, without further ado, here's my interview with Brett Ormerod. Enjoy. Okay, in this Seasiders podcast exclusive, I'd like to introduce you to a man that has not only scored for the Seasiders in each of the four divisions, but was also the scorer of the £90 million goal which fired the club into the Premier League for the first time since 1970. And he did all this with two broken legs. It gives me great pleasure to introduce the living Blackpool FC legend that is Brett Ryan Ormerod. 
Uh, Ibra, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on. <laughs> You're actually the first ever Blackpool FC player that we've, uh, we've ever interviewed, interviewed on here. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an honour for you and it's an honour for us, I guess. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> realise that. <laughs> do I, just out of interest, do any of the lads know about this podcast? There's a, a, a doubt they have. Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, you'd have to ask them, I think. Yeah. Um, well, the ex, I'm not sure at all. But. The ex lad, should I say. Who's the most tech savvy out of the uh, Blackpool lot? Who's the uh, Who, technical? Yeah, who's into the gadgets? Um, I don't know. I think Fletch knows his work and everything. Um, Fletch is one of them who's... Yeah, he, he seems to um, have all iPads and, and stuff and just know how to work them all and that. Oh, um, right. he's, all about, he's all about the bling. He's on Twitter as well, isn't he? Maybe should ask him to get, get him on here. Yeah, get him on. Um, he'll, he'll, know, he'll get on Skype. He'll be able to see you and all that. Oh, right, that's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't been training today, have you? Um, Andy Morellans, he's still got it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going, you know, it's been quite bad for us. Um, Andy's, you know, he's a good lad and, he, you know, he's still keeping himself fit. Um, you know, he, he's, um, he, he scored two crackers at the weekend. Yeah, so, yeah he's definitely yeah. still got it. Yeah, good old Andy. Right, Brett, I'll, uh, I'll just start firing off these questions, don't you? Don't want to take up all your evening. All right, right. Uh, we've got a mixture of questions from the uh, listeners and, and some of you we've made a parcel, so in no particular order. Um what has been the best, your best and worst moments playing for Blackpool? Um, best and worst, I think. Obviously, um, I think the best, the best answers moment. itself, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I think both playoff finals that we played in. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough to play in two playoff finals, and we won them both, and I managed to score in both. So, um, I say, yeah, they were both probably, you know, the Wembley one and the, getting to the Premier League edges. The other one, but the other one was special, very special for us. Because that, at the time, that was my first promotion. And after me worst, it came off the back of me worst, which was obviously breaking my record that pull. And being out all that season. And, and then ending up with him relegated. So, um, you know, that was the, probably the worst at that time. And then, obviously, the season after we launched. So, um, yeah, different set of promotions. And, right. Yeah, um the, the Ryan Sugden moment at Oldham wasn't actually at that game. I was living in London at the time. That's, it must have been a heartbreaking game to play in. Um, I can't remember that. Uh, when You know, I didn't play in it, obviously. I broke my leg. Oh, that's um, right, yeah. Uh, like I said, I broke my leg in October. Um, at Wickham, 23rd yeah. of October, 99 it were, because it was just a few days after my birthday, I think, just a few days after my 23rd or 22nd birthday. Um, and then I was pretty much out all season. Uh, I ended up going to Lillyshaw twice um, at the end of that season. And obviously, um, over Christmas, I think Nigel Wellington stepped down and Steve McMahon took off. Um, so I didn't really play any part in it. You know, he, he put me out all season with that. Um, mm. So it were, I, can't, I can't, I can't actually remember who we played. Like you know, when we went down, but um, obviously it was just a horrible feeling to know that we had. Yeah, yeah. Right, we'll move on to a, a nice brighter subject then. Uh, <laughs> who, who's the who's the best player you've ever played with throughout all the clubs that you've represented? Uh, it's a tough one. I mean, I, I'd say even I'd say Matt with two years probably you know the best. That was that's actually uh, put in brackets on our questionnaire, Matt Letissier. Um Yeah, but I mean, 
I probably, you know, I never, I only played, you know, I managed to play him once, I think. He was coming to the end of his career, so he weren't in prime, nearly. Um, and, you know, I've been for, um, but I think for all around them, and, you know, what they've achieved, probably Matt Lattuzzi, yeah. yeah. Um, Great player, I've, um, Yeah, it was fantastic, yeah, everything. Um, I think, I can only, I, I thought about this, because I can, I can only go off like, you know, the best, I've managed to play with a lot of good players, but I think one of the best, I've always said one of the best forwards I've played with was obviously Kev Phillips, um, I played with him at Southampton and, you know, and at Blackpool, um, just as an all-round striker and everything, and, and the fact that he's still going and he still scored loads of goals last year, and, and that is probably, um, you know, I've, I've put Kev Phillips up there as, as definitely the best striker I've played and, and come across. Right, excellent. Hope for you, yeah, as, as well, because he's 39, isn't he? So you've got, what, six years to go? Yeah, but he's a different kind of player to me. I'm knacking now. My legs have gone, I think. <laughs> Kev were always just a, Kev was just a good goal scorer. And me, I, I had to run around as well, so it killed me. You had to earn your Kev, goals, you know, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's answered uh, question number three, your favourite striker we've played with. Um, fourth question, who's the toughest defender you've ever come across? Um, again, a very hard question. Um I'd have to say, playing in Premier League, especially when I, with Southampton, that when I first came into it, I think um, you know you, you had your usuals, you carried your, your Rio Fernandes, any centre half really who were in top lot seemed to be you know a, a different breed, um, you know the, from the old kind of centre half, they were all very quick and all really good on ball and things. So I can't really say which I've come up against one in particular that I thought were any better than the rest. But I'm just thinking once you hit that Premier League, they're, they're all. You know, I'd have to put Fernand and, and Terry up there, in, in just as an example of you know what kind of defenders hmm. I was used to playing against, and then I came up against you know. Oh, gone again! Is it? Think it's me or you? <laughs> I don't know because I'm looking at my thing. Are you in a black spot or anything? Well, wall is not the best anyway. And, you know, sometimes it goes off, sometimes it's good, but the signal seems to be all right. All oh, right, right. But my kids up, my missus saw him little and that, he's screaming his head off, so I'm to shut doors, so whatever that's <laughs> calling bloody signal up. Um, <laughs> he's not being the best behaved, so he's getting a towel off, so he's having a right paddy. Send him to Preston. That'll be <laughs> punishment enough. <laughs> he's been, I think. He was born then when I was there. Oh, was he? Yeah, I'll threaten to send him back. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, Frank Frank LaBeouf, I just got the end of that. So, yeah, it seems like a long time ago, that, doesn't it? Yeah, no, no I've play, I never played against Frank LaBeouf. I was just saying I blame Frank LaBeouf for... Um, he, he was the first one in Premiership who I remember who started, you know, with centre-half, who started playing out from back and could ping ah, one ball. Oh, right. And, you know, um, but the, the whole general, you know, just like when I mentioned Fernand and Terry, I'm, Seen that kind of that kind of quality from what I was used to in the first one in Premiership, how quick they were. That. And you, you seem to get that a lot, um, you know, all in the top league. I couldn't really name anyone in particular because the games, like when you played against Chelsea, you know, any time you played against the top teams, they were always, you know, they were always very good defenders. Um, I remember playing against Martin Keown and in cup final and kicked the hell out of me tried to anyway <laughs> <laughs> you know so um, yeah I, I just say that you, you know um, I can't really answer that one it's you know I'll play against the future <laughs> yeah it's probably too many to pick in the Premier League isn't there uh, just to flip that on its head then who's the best Blackpool player you played with uh, during both spells um, 
again, a tough question. Um, you don't want to single out, I suppose. No, because you know I, I can look. There's obviously different eras, different. Um, what is it? Um, different leagues yeah. and things, and they all had spells. I think obviously, like you know, in present day one, um, I think you probably you know you have to say Charlie simply because of the influence he had when he came and stuff, and um, you know the season he had. Um, but saying that, you know, there's there's other players like Fletcher when I first came. Fletch has come on unbelievable. You know, Keith, you know what you're going to get with Keith every week. Vaughan, superb. And in my first spell, you know, I had a great John Murphy, one of the probably best strike partners I had from, you know, playing off each other. We scored 20 odd goals each that season we went up. And, you know, we had Richie Wellings, who was a clever player, a good midfielder. And John Hills, Danny Coy, you know, Coy, mm-hmm. I think Coy came through when he was 16. Who were him and Jamie Milligan, I remember. You know, believe it. You know, they had so much skill and talent between them. Um, so, does it make does it make sure again a, a tough question? Um, I'm not sure. I don't know if I can answer that. One. <laughs> well, you just have. I'm not really helpful. I'm just naming names. Um, no, it's it's, quite, it's but, very interesting insight. That um, it's like you say. I mean, Richie Wellens on on his day, he was just a fantastic player, wasn't he? I mean, oh, if you look at that, that season when Scott Taylor scored umpteen goals, I think it was after you'd gone. Um, Richie must have made like eighty percent of them. Yeah, well, Richie's first season, in, in, first full season in the league was when he came from United. Was the year I came back and the year we went up. You know, and he had he had a big influence on it. And um, you know, I think you know I know like fans wise, the fans didn't always say I do I with Richie, but <laughs> I think you know to to see what he's gone on and done. You know, yeah. he's. You know he's gone up a lot higher, and he's he's still playing. You know I think shows the quality of player he was, yeah. and uh, you know he, he, like I said, but we had a lot of players, probably some like you know who, who through injury or whatever didn't really fulfil the potential, and others did. Um, you know I couldn't really name any individual. There's yeah. so many players who've, who I think have been different class. Um, well, there was you know Steve Cr- Steve Crane is another one. Yeah. Week in week out, Matt Jilts on it. You know unbelievable goal. Um, and I playing with Steve, Steve Banks when uh, I was yeah, under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember we beat Stoke at Stoke under uh, Nigel Wernson when we were third and they were top. We beat them at the Britannia. Uh, Martin Aldridge got two. And Banks, you know, for Banks, we won 3-1 and it could have been 8-3 if they, you know, if he hadn't been in there There was Simo as well. Do you remember, he, he laid, uh, Richie Wallens laid in Simo, didn't he, for that um, for the third goal against Orient in the playoff I just remember Simo being an absolutely great player oh Simo that year he came yeah. um, the year we went up was unbelievable he, he set me immersed up so many times you know um, a massive influence um, great pro and old dead as well he brought you know a lot of experience to the team that we needed at that time um, weighed in a lot of goals himself but he had such a great left foot on him mm. you know as a top forward he was a dream because you knew as soon as he got it half out you know, just out his feet, you were whipping across him. To be honest, um, for, for people like Murphy, with quality, uh, you know, Murphy scored so many goals off him, or not one, not from his crosses down to me, and I scored. You know, it was um, it was a fantastic yeah. partnership. It was threesome, really. He, yeah. he was um, so. Like I said, I wouldn't really like to name, name any individuals, you know, because I think I've been lucky enough the two spells I've played. You know, I've had fantastic players around me in both spells. Yeah. So bearing that in mind, is there any? Uh particular players that you'll miss any friendships from um, from again both spells any you know yeah. uh, good friends you've made there uh, particularly um, 
Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, football's. Uh, you know, I, I I remember someone once saying to me, you know, you don't have friends in football, you're just acquaintances. But you know, I've got I've met a lot of friends in football, and um, you know, I still keep in some contact with with most of them anyway. Um, you know, Keith Sullivan, I still speak to on a very regular basis. You know, Danny Coyd, I still speak to a lot. John Hills, you know, um, Fletch, I'm still I still speak to Fletch and that a lot. Um, you know, and I'm still in contact with all that. Steve Craney, Vaughan, um, from first spell, and, um, you know, I see Jamie Milligan, I still speak with Jamie Milligan a lot, so, yeah, I mean, I keep in contact, I don't really miss him, because, um, I'm always on phone, <laughs> I think they bored of me, you know, but, um, because, um, it is, it, but I think the friend, you know, I've, I've a lot of friends, and I still keep in contact with a lot of them, um, so, but I, I do miss the, the dressing room, especially from the time we went up, because I think that's probably one of the best. You know, I, I think I, I consider myself lucky to be in a lot of dressing rooms at a lot of clubs that we've had fantastic. Always seen, you know, I've always been lucky in a way that I've always seen to come into clubs that have had good dressing rooms and that. But the year we went up, I think because of everything was against us, and you know, we weren't fancied or anything, and we, we just seemed to upset everything and play great football and, mm. and go unbelievable in, in a fairy tale fashion sort of thing. Yeah. I think I mean, that's probably you know that that's probably so close with each other and you know um, it's um, you know you, you don't get that a lot in, in in your lifetime so you cherish it when you know when it's there and obviously miss it when it's gone. I mean, talking about that fairy tale game, the actual the playoff final when you when you stuck that goal in to make it three two, obviously you didn't know it was going to be the winner at the time, but it did turn out to be. But can you? Describe your feelings as you saw the ball at the back of the net. Um, I, I remember being that just absolutely knackered because it's so hot. <laughs> it's 110 it was, ridiculous, wasn't it? It was ridiculous. Even in the warm up, we come in and we were absolutely sweating and all that. And obviously, you know, um, I think I was 33, 34 then anyway. So, you know, it's not like you're a spring chicken yeah. there, but it were, um, you know, we, we'd had a lot of the ball first half and, you know, we managed to come back twice and probably. You know, I played didn't deserve to be down, but I just remember it, it ball breaking to me and Marshall jumping at me, and I just seen the gap in his leg, so I just tore bumped it for straight at him. You know, um, it's probably, the, it's in, probably the most um, money-winning toe bong ever in the history of football. Yeah, I mean, he's such a big keeper anyway, and he just spread his cell as I went to shoot. So I just remember seeing so just hit it straight at him, just get something on it. it straight at him, and you know, um, and it went in. So. Um, it was just, but to be honest, when it had gone in, I think everyone jumping and I was just walking back slowly to halfway on because we were out, just absolutely <laughs> nice. Um, it was so hot, such an hot day. Um, it was just, you know, we were just waiting to get half time with and getting and stick my head into my eyes. You know, it was just absolutely, the temples were just bo- booming, you know, like they'd heartbeat, you know, and it was yeah. um, such an hot day. But um, the relief after the final whistle is um, probably a feeling I, I just couldn't describe. It's, no. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was the it was the longest ten minutes of my life. That last ten minutes, I was I was like going, in ten minutes we'll be in the Premier League. It's like it was like an almost surreal moment for a, for a lot of Blackpool fans, you know, because we we've seen them through the dark times and there we were, you know, like ten minutes away from the Premier League. It was just like a dream. So. Was, oh yeah, I mean, I've been there some dark days and that, and, and that were just. Um, to get Blackpool in the Premier League, I mean, it wouldn't have been said four, five, ten years ago, you know, when, when I was there first time, if you just said Blackpool in the Premier League, I think no one would have believed you. They'd just laughed at the pipe dream. 
Um, but the fact that, you know, we made it reality was um, something that still, I think still stands up to this day. I think Aaron, Aaron Holloway said uh, at the time that um, it was the lowest budget that any team had ever got promoted to the Premiership. And uh, it probably still, I, I can't ever see that changing. You know, I can never can't ever see that being done again on the, the, the budget, you know, mm. that we did it on. Yeah, brilliant. So how did, you mentioned it previously, uh, how does it compare to the to the goal against Orient? I think, obviously against Orient, there wasn't as much, it was just like the icing on the cake, wasn't it, the Orient, the Orient goal? But, you know, um, how, how did the two goals compare? How did you feel after you scored both goals? It's frightening because the, the, the games were pretty similar in the, in the sense that um, in the both games, I felt we were playing better. We were we were playing we were a better team and yet they've got every time they went down they seemed to score. Let an Orient, I remember me and John Murphy just looking at me. I think Barnsley slipped after about twenty two <laughs> seconds, and the lads just nicked in, gone round and put in the net, and uh, and all the hype up to the game and everything. And me and, and John Murphy just looked at me and as if to know what the f you know sort of thing. And I just got, I looked at him and thought, oh shit, you know, it was just such a. A, a thing here. We got back in it, didn't know, we? And then they scored straight again. That Scott Howard. Yeah, did he? well, we managed to get we managed to get back in it. Um, I think it was Uzi. Uzi, yeah, that, got an header, 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 header from a corner. Yeah. Uh, and I think the keeper made a few good saves off Merce and, and that, and one off Danny Cody. If I remember, Cody hit a good shot, and, and then it just seemed like they went down and scored again. And it was like, what? I know. WTF you know, then, again, yeah. It's Brian Reed yeah, equalised, isn't he? Brian Reed. Yeah, Reed equalised. I think it like it's his, it's his heel and bobbled up. <laughs> Somehow it went in and Reed ran off like he, you know, volleyed it in top corner. Um, and um, it was just, you know, two all at half time. And then I think actually the second half, I always remember the laddie tip post, I think, it at two all. Uh, That's right, yeah. For them up front. Yeah. Um, and, and in the spell, that probably one of the spells that they actually were on top. And they hit the post, and then we went straight down, and, and Simo scored, and then obviously um, I got the fourth, which was more relief really because yeah, I think it was. that was it was a bit different with the play because obviously like it would end at first half in playoff time. We had a home under forty five. This was like once we'd scored that, we more or less knew that that was us. Then they'd yeah. gone, Luton Orient, you know, and it was like, you know, we, that's it. We, we we know unless we, you know, yeah, absolutely something absolutely stupid happens, yeah. we won the game. So um, yeah, it was more. Um, um, but, you know, the, the, both games were pretty similar, apart from you know, uh, you know, in the way that at the time it just seemed to, we seemed to be every time I thought we were playing well and we looked like we were going to score a bit, other teams seemed to go down and score. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it, both both games were you know surreal games. You, you didn't seem to get them in an in an, in an average league game. Um, no matter how many times you played in league games, it just didn't seem to be. Well, I'm, I can't remember playing in too many, but just swung back and forth like that. Yeah. And, uh, of course, no backflip celebration in the uh, Championship Player Final, which I was a bit disappointed by. Was that was that an impromptu thing in the uh, Second Division Player Final, or was it something you'd planned? And I bet you can't, uh, do, it, and I bet you can't do it these days. I haven't tried it, to be honest. <laughs> um, I used to do it all the time when I was younger. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, I, not I anymore, it, I though. Think, I, think, I think I first did it when I scored against... Pressing at Deepdale uh, when we won two one. Yeah, I think that's the first that. time I did it in football. But I used to do it at home, trying to show off like <laughs> when I was younger. And I used to do it at school when I scored in school team. Um, so and I did it a few times that season. But my mum always said like you're going to land on the head one day, bloody, you know, hurt yourself and make yourself look at that. So um, stop doing it to me. <laughs> um, 
So yeah. no, I, I, to be honest, I haven't tried it for it. I probably be, I, I think I'd be able to do it on a trampoline, but I'm not sure <laughs> I could do it on um, on floor anymore. Right uh, now, moving on to the um, the present day. Um, how much of a negative influence was the the Charlie Adam transfer saga on the dressing room after Christmas? And do you think it contributed to our dip in form in the new year and our ultimate relegation? Because we we played so well in that first half of the season, and all that kerfuffle happened, and everything just seemed to go wrong, didn't it? After in the new year. Yeah, I'm, I, I don't really think. It, um... Did it affect the dressing room? If you know what I mean. No, not really. No. Because I think everyone, you know, um, I think everyone in football nowadays is really, you, you know, you've got the, the thing with football is that it's always changing, and and that's what happens. People move on, and uh, you know, I, I don't really, to be honest, the best thing I can say to Charles about Charlie is that it, it really didn't affect him. You know, he really he got his head down and, and, and gave his hundred percent for Blackpool right through to the end. Which you know, not many players might might have done. Mm. You know, if they're thinking of the future, they might not um, and wanting to go to big clubs and that. They might start thinking about not getting injured and pulling out of tackles and things. And, and to Charles' credit, he never ever did anything like that. He always gave 110 for for Blackpool right through to the end. And um, you know, I think it were it really. I don't think it affected us that much. I think there are other things uh, in the way that I think that's probably our approach at times in Premier League were a bit naive. Um, you know, the good co um, approach, do you mean? Yeah, maybe. You know, at times, we, we might have been a bit naive, you know, where, say, I don't know, maybe, it's, it's an odd one to pinpoint, but I think sometimes, because when we come from championship and we used to winning, sometimes, you know, um, sometimes we'd probably chase a win when we were drawing, when, you know, a draw, well, you know, I think it took us, it might have took us a bit to realise that, you know, a point in the Premier League is a good point. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, you don't always have to win every game because no one, not you know, not many teams, only the top teams really do win regular. It's such a hard league. Um, it's just you get punished one slight error and you get punished. Generally. Yeah, that was a different uh, main difference for me. Yeah, and that was it. And I think, I think, um, don't get me wrong. I think losing Jill was a big blow. Yeah, you know, definitely. not that that's any. In, not like that's any indictment on Richard Kingston, which you know Richard, Paul, you know, on his day with Paulson Austin, fantastic series. But I think, you know, I think Jill Hall was a big miss for us that yeah, year. Definitely, um, yeah, definitely. And in the run into the seat, end of the season, and um, and like you said, I think the the thing is, I think we we've probably got on one or two end of some bad refereeing decisions. I remember the Blackburn game where oh. being from Blackburn anyway, I would you know I was, I was desperate to win that game. Uh, we tuned them up, but. I think we were two one up in the lads. Uh, we, got, we, got, we got we got we got we got a corner. It should have been a corner, and he gave a he gave a goal got kick. Wiped out. Yeah, and then um, he gave a foul against him. It was Howard Webb, wasn't it? Yeah, and he gave a foul against him, and then that ended up with a two all. And, that, and I honestly think if we'd have won that game, I think we'd have stopped. Yeah, Everyone, Blackburn. Uh, I always think that Blackburn could have gone the other way that day. Um, I think the fact that they they managed to nick a draw out of a game that they had no playing whatsoever. Mm. Um, and no thingy that I think that might have given them a bit of the boost they needed at the time but I think had we have won that I think Blackburn might have gone but only would have gone down and we'd have stopped up mm. um, but I mean seasons turn on things like that and things happen and uh, you know it was to, look, to go down back one point it was always um, it's, it's hard always to a, take a it yeah it is because we I think we'd lit the Premier League up in a way that um, no one else had ever done uh, I remember when we beat Liverpool at Anfield and Alan Anson um, on match at day was giving it you know I heard Blackpool going to attack and I were laughing the head off 
at Anfield. I did the day two, and then he said, then after 20 minutes, I weren't laughing anymore <laughs> because they were absolutely, you know, it was yeah. absolutely just all out and Liverpool were getting passed off the ball. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Picture the scene: all of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Okay, I'm feeling yeah. a bit that stage, you know. <laughs> um, so t- I, you know, I think we we brought a lot of. In a way, I think we we probably changed a lot of teams who come up with their attitude. Um, you know, your Swansea and, and your teams like that, who, and Norwiches who've gone on to stay up. I think they learned the lesson from from Blackpool. Um, and we are not attacked. You know, the, the fact that know, you can come up and. If you do, you know, if you you confident and you're playing football and the, the style of play we played, and, and we just went and attacked teams, uh, I think they learnt a lot and, and, and more than if we had just gone straight back down like a, a derby did years ago on low points and all that. You know, I think the teams who come up like the smaller teams who were expected to go down would have maybe not have a, uh, played as you know attacked teams as, as much as you know that they did when after seeing that we we did it. Yeah, I mean, it, it it just goes to show that you don't need to play like the, the likes of Stoke, for example, to be successful in the Premier League. And yeah, it's we did really. Well, I, I, well, I think that's that was the, the you know the um, I think that was really the thing about Ian Holloway and play football, and you know he, when I, he was obsessed with Spain and Barcelona, um, and to be honest, I, I you know you, you always felt that if you want to be the best and try and play like the best, you might not, all right, you know, we were never going to have a Javi or a Messi in our team, but the way they played and the way they dominated the ball, and that's one of you know, the way wanted us to do. And, um, you know, and like I said, he got us promoted to the Premier League. He got us to within a point of safety when no one said, you know, beginning of the season, he said we won't win a corner. Um, you know, so it just goes to show. And I think football is changing, you know, English football in the Premier League and that is changing. More teams and he's filtering down there's not many even in a conference where I'm playing there's a lot of teams playing 4-3-3 now rather than your old 4-4-2 and lumping it Um, you know so I think football is changing I think Blackpool and Ian Holloway were a big influence on on that doing so very interesting Blackpool are changing the face of football I would have thought it (laughs) well he's he's, you know he's always the guy he's he's done it more this year I think he's always trying to progress and, and just take it one step forward every time and you know, he obviously knows that. You know, he's he's, he's very good. Uh, he's a manager who's got a very good eye for talent. You know, he's managed to pick young good players up from teams. Um, yeah, for next you know, to nothing I, as well. For next to nothing, and and and, and seems to be turning into what could be, um, you know, what are looking and promising and, and up and coming footballers. You know, Tom Ince was in Liverpool Academy, as far as what I remember when he came, and he was very raw when he first came. In twelve months, he changed in unbelievable. Matty Phillips from Wickham. You know, Mike the going willing to be honest. He struggled at the beginning of last season. He sent him out on one Sheffield United. By the time he came back, he was absolutely tearing defenders up. 
you know. Um, Zango Martinez, I mean, he's just come from nowhere, hasn't he? What a, what a yeah, fantastic well, player he is. Yeah, but I think the way Blackpool play football as well, it gets you confident, it gets you wanting the ball, people want the ball and that, and, and, and there's an understanding that you have with your team, you know, and, and everyone's comfortable on the ball and, 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 and confident in each other and, you know, I think it, it brings the best out of players and it, and it has been doing over the last, since, he, since he's been Blackpool manager. Mm, I mean, the, the two games we've, I've seen us at home this season, I was absolutely purring, as as everyone else was. The performance at uh, I think it was Leeds at home, I mean, we only won two one, but we, we should have. Well, I think we beat Ipswich six nil, but you know, ironically, we played better against Leeds. And I came away yeah. from that game thinking, my God, this could be something special this season. The way we, you know, the way we're knocking it around now, it's even better than last season. So. Yeah, well, I, th- I think we, I heard something like Neil Warnock said, I hope we finish one behind Blackpool because that means we'll be promoted. That's right, yeah. Uh, I think he said that. So for him to say that, so, you know, and that's Leeds United, that's a hell of a massive club. Um, you know, and there is a lot of big teams in that league. There is a lot of big teams, but, um, you, you know, I don't think there's anyone that Blackpool really need to fear because on Blackpool's day, they're capable of beating anyone in that team, mm-hmm. in, in that league, sorry. Um, you know, and I watched, I managed to watch most of the game at Leicester were you know on a day it's probably a nil-nil and you take a point but you know the referee obviously with that penalty you give uh, (laughs) Premier League all over again that weren't it well yeah I mean it was such a ridiculous decision but hopefully these things do even the sell out enough you know there'll come a time when it's nil-nil at Bloomfield and and, and they'll get a penalty which will turn in their favour you know but um, swings and roundabouts yeah hopefully swings and roundabouts uh, right, let's move on to the next question. Um, there's a lot of conjecture about the uh, the training ground down at Squires Gate. Um, does it actually affect a player's morale, or are you not really bothered about it? Um, well, it never really affected me, to be honest. I mean, especially the second time, um, because it is what it is, Blackpool. It's quite, I think you knew you knew what I'm to all... expect second time round, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, it's never changed, to be honest. Um, the only thing I think the only the only problem I would I have against the chairman on that is that with all the money he's made, he shouldn't at least make sure all the pitches are top quality. And the way Blackpool play football, they need, the, the pitches need to be top quality, you know, uh, at Bloomfield and at the training ground, regardless of whether it's a shed in the middle of an airfield or not. Um, you yeah. know, to be fair, when we went into the Premier League, the pitches had improved, but last year they hadn't. They'd gone back. I don't know whether they bought cheap seed or whatever, but the pitch weren't never in as good as Nick, and the training ground ones weren't very good at all. To the point where you know, do, sometimes do we playing on them wasn't very nice, and, and you know, it, it became a bit dangerous for players. You know, so it's that bad. That's yeah. my, that's that, oh, you know, just be slipping over and right. things like that. You know, um, there's no excuses, so, there really. You know, with the money. I, I that's think in the, the money's in the money's in place there, and if anything, you know, I mean, call. We call. We got a lot of critics and all that and and stuff. And to be honest, I mean, he, he's got you know the, the grounds. It's hard to argue with Carl anything because Blackpool will never stop a bust. You know, having the money, the spending the money he does with on the players and all that. He's always, you know, he keeps a tight rein on it. And that's the way if you want to play for. I think that way you, you manage to get players and you want to play for Blackpool. You know, because you're never going to come. You're never going to end up at Blackpool and multi-millionaire. Uh, <laughs> but. What he does do, um, you know, he does that well. And, and, and Bloomfield's changed unbelievably. And, you know, you can't argue with the promotions and the success. But from a player's point of view, my own, I'd say that 
even if the training ground wasn't to get done, even if it, you know you could still do things up to that training ground, you could still make it better than it is. And the pitches is the main thing, I think, that there's no excuse. What, what does uh, what sorry, sorry what what does Ollie say to to Carl about the state of the pitches? I mean, um, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I no. think the manager's probably had a few headbangers meetings with him. Um, but Carl's very, Carl's big Carl's it can be stubborn and things like that. But um, like I say, I, I just think. Um, I think you could have the pitch, you know, regardless of how what you're training in. Like I say, if it's a shed or what, you can have the pitches dug up and done properly, and have mm. them pitches thing. Now, um, you know, whether the training ground will get done, I, I honestly can't say. I'd like yeah. to think it would because I think there's only there's one thing that should be done uh, as a legacy to Blackpool Football Club is having a, a training ground that you know it, that the club deserves and and that will attract future players and mm. and stuff. As far as I know, the plans are in place and we're trying to get that going. Um, hopefully, they will do and, and get it up and running. Yeah, hopefully, Owen will use some of his 11 million, eh? Isn't that? He got a little bonus <laughs> out of it, didn't he? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's you know that's the other side of the car. I think um, with that, you know, I think fans, what irritates fans, I think, is uh, from any chairman in the football league, I think there needs to be, um, unless, you know, someone's investing their personal wealth, which is like the Man City, if it's if it's money that's been earned through football and that, I think there should be a, a degree of transparency mm. in um, in what happens with with the money. Um, you know, I, I can't really comment on, no, on the, the eleven no, million. No, no. <laughs> <'Cause> the, <laughs> it's almost like where the Omerod money went. That all went under the yeah, same stand, mean, apparently. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's another question. You know, I, I can't really. I don't. I have no, no. idea. Um, that's more of a, you know, more of a jokey question, that to be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the only that's the only question you could ask the chairman. Um, I'll have to try and get him on air then, eh, shall I? I'll, I'll make him my next uh, interview. <laughs> <laughs> I think, the, from a fan's point of view, if you're a fan and you're paying your money week in, week out, and because what you would like to see, I think the club funds and everything is, is a bit of transparency in knowing that the money mm. the club's made is going to, to make the club secure and, and improve the facilities and hopefully get the players you want in, you know, and things like that for the future. Yeah, so, um, But all the rest, I can't really comment on it because <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but, um Speaking about the future, what what are your plans for after football? Um, are you taking your coaching badges over to stay in the game, or someone's put? Are you are you looking to go back to factory work again? And I think I know the answer to that. Um, well, of course, I'm factory work, but you know, I'm, I'm in a position where I'm going to have to do something. I've I've thought about it long enough. I've I've always never I've never really thought about whether I want to. Um, be a coach you know um, I've always loved playing um, but the, the the closer I get I mean I still haven't done my badges but I might be doing them end of season I'm not sure yet um, you know but um, I just haven't decided I've, I've, signed, I've, managed, I've been looking to get a two year deal at Wrexham so at the moment I'm still putting all my, um, my efforts into playing football and enjoying it just trying to enjoy it as much as I can um, yeah. because you know once it's over it's over and um you know, so I'm still. I'm, I might be end of season. I might be looking to um, to do some badges in that and get them under my belt, um, and then get see where I am after this my second year, um, and see what happens. You you know, if I if I finish then, if I finish this two years out waiting, and I still feel fit, and you know, if someone wants me, I, I might try and carry on playing. I'm I'm undecided to be yeah. honest, but I think I'll be, I'll probably look to try and get some badges done for end of season. Right. You could you could rekindle your uh, partnership with Murphs back at Blackpool. Um, well, to be honest, it was it was um, you know in our I spoke to him in the summer about it and it was something that did interest me. Uh, 
to be a backup player and start, you know, coaching at Bloomfield and helping with the development squad with Nerf and that, which did interest me, but obviously, like, you know, the money calls off him, he's not, you know, at the end of the day, he, you've got to keep playing and you've got to earn as much as you can while yeah. you can because it's, it's gone and, you know, I can still earn a lot more than that playing football and why not when I'm still enjoying it? Oh, so yeah. I might, you know, I might as well finish my football side of it first and then try and get my badges and then see if anything comes up. Yeah. Um, if it does in a, in a year, couple of years' time when I finish, um, maybe, I, I just don't know. I'm not, um, I haven't, I honestly don't know. I'm just concentrating on playing at home. Yeah. So just going back to your to your leg break, someone asked me um, to ask you, what was it like the first after your horrendous leg break? After your first game back, were you nervous going into first tackles, or was it business as usual? Um, the, oh, I remember. I, I remember this. Like, I brought. Um, we, we went to some kits with um, Steve McMahon took us to some kits. Um, the season I come back. Um, and um, I think we did we play that they've been they had come back me and Johnny have been in summer all you know and I've got my fitness and everything and I think um, we Joe Republic or something we played a team we played two games we played two, we won the tournament it was a triple tournament between us the St Kitts national team and I think it was Joe Public they were called um, I forgot what team and I didn't start the first game against St Kitts but I started the second game and I had my pad and I just remembered. I'm trying not to think about it in that. And in the first five minutes, I got absolutely done on my leg. Um, on, the, on the leg? Literally in the first five minutes. Joking. It was like, the lad's tackled me and he's come like, just over top at ball and he's gone through and he's caught me pad and, and, and really give me a belt on my leg. And um, and he did it just like a normal kick, to be honest. And to be fair, he probably gave me that bit of confidence. Um, I got up, my leg was fine. And to be honest, I never thought of it again. It, it seemed to it really just I thought right that's it it's, um, yeah. set your mind at rest something like that I suppose doesn't it if you yeah well, it, it was a double break anyway I had a tib and fib break and um, you know the doctor at the time said like with a bone callus and that that grows away you probably you'll never break it there again um, that's, prob- that's probably the strongest part of your leg um, so if you ever and, and to be honest when I broke it a few years later at Preston I broke the smoke on it back the reason it broke so bad was that it I, my ankle got twisted over and the backbone broke up to where the original break was and because that was strong it just shattered the little bone mm. into five different pieces so that leg break it pressed the knees later probably ended up worse because of the callus <laughs> and the strength in your leg <laughs> from breaking it at Blackpool so yeah. Well, that's, that was punishment for going to uh, to Preston, Brett. You know, that's, well, that's sort of there, but, um, <laughs> you, know. you deserve everything you get, in my opinion. <laughs> right, uh, I've just got three more left to go. Um, what's Ian Holloway really like? As fans, we only see him on match days or at press conferences rolling out funny quotes. Does he have a serious side? And what's he to like? What's he like um, to work with on a day in, day out basis? Um, yeah, he's, he's, I always, I always said that um, we, you know, always. Um, I used to think he toned it down for cameras. Uh, really? I think it's, <laughs> you know what he saw is what he get. He did. We used to have meetings that sometimes lasted ages, and one would just be there, just want to go out and train, but he'd get carried away, you know, because he's so enthusiastic and all that. But he does have a, a serious side, of course he does. He's, a, you know, he, he laughs and jokes when laughing, you know, when uh, light-heartedness, but. 
you know, when you, when it gets down to business and all that, mm. he's he's as serious as anyone. Believe you me. If he wasn't, we wouldn't. I don't think he would have, he would have had the success. But yeah. I think he's got a good he's got a good blend of it. You know, he knows when times to have a laugh and to get attention out of things and the pressure off yeah. people. But you know, he also knows that it's a serious game and. Um, you know when when we need, when it needs to be done, he is. But um, yeah, I mean most of the time he is. He's off his head. <laughs> um, you know, um, and like I said, sometimes you, you know he get he go on about something in a meeting and he go on this and that, and sometimes you think, I just want to go out and train. But um, <laughs> no, he, you know he, he's um, he, you know I'm, I'm really a bad word to say about him because I think he, for me at that time of my career where I probably thought around the way down, I was you know he, if you'd have told me you know he'd have out. He'd have come in and would have played it, and they got a year in Premier League on the Blackpool. You know, and I said, "You bonkers!" But you know, that's how much of an influence I think he rubbed off on the lads, and that, and he, he seems to be still doing that. All right, excellent. Um, best manager you've ever worked under? Um, I'd say you know, always one of the best. One of them, I think, Gordon Strachan's another one at Southampton. Uh, both managers who really spend a lot of time on the training ground, who both wanted. To coach players rather than just pick teams, you know, willy nilly. Um, different manager at different times. I did like, I used to like Steve McMahon when he was at Blackpool simply because he just brought the Liverpool philosophy in the training. We just played football, <laughs> you know, he didn't want to do anything. <laughs> he just wanted it. He was just like, well, get on with it with five aside and all that, he, you know. Um, but um, I'd say it'd have to be. Um, you know, I had Billy Davis for a time who I thought was te- technically, tactically, Billy was a really good, you know, really into um, good manager in the sense that he went through everything and, you know, he used to have small details and all that. And, and so I've had the pleasure of working for a few managers, but, um, you know, them three are definitely, you know, stand out. Uh, I can't think anymore. I've had that many. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that many clubs. Um Mm-hmm. You know, I had Paul Jewell. I went to Wigan um, on loan with Paul Jewell and Colin Calderwood at Forest were a good manager at the time and got promoted with Forest as well. So mm-hmm. I've had a few, but I'd say, you know, them three. Um, Stand out. Different things. Probably if I had to pick any bit between Holloway and Gordon Strachan. Oh, that's quite interesting, that. He's out of the game now, isn't he, Gordon Strachan? Doesn't tell me he's any. Yeah, he's, um, I think he's doing the ITV a lot then. Right, right. Um... Carl Oyston obviously comes in for a lot of stick from Blackpool fans, rightly or wrongly. Uh, how does he compare to other chairman that you've played for? Or did you really get to meet... Do you ever get to re- meet chairman as a professional footballer or do they all hands-off roles? Um, I think you meet you meet the chairman sometimes, you know, obviously if you go and sign for a club and that, but I've not really had a lot to do with any of the chairman at any clubs. Um, I think um, wherever you are, football's pretty much... You know, if you're winning games, everyone loves you. And if you're not, no, they don't. And if mm-hmm. if your club's going through a particular bad point uh, in any time, then the chairman or the manager, you know, the manager probably gets it, but the chairman's one as well. Where if a club's, you know, they always want them to spend more money. Um, I think that's pretty much the norm. Uh, I remember being at Southampton when um, we had um, Rupert Lowe, is it? Yeah, Rupert Law got a lot of stick before the end. Um, the club, I think Eddie was manager. Um, I'm not sure Eddie really wanted to be there. He was jumping shit. Um, Southampton was struggling in the league, looked like they were going down. And, you know, the chairman come under a lot of criticism, a lot of stick. And 
Um, but I think that's a pretty much a norm in football, really. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Can't really say Carl really compared to any other of them because they're all, like I said, I didn't really have a lot. You know, you speak to higher and things like that, but you didn't, day to day, I didn't really have a lot of any of the chairman. Um, you, you know, it's usually you're you're at the training ground with the manager and the staff and all that, and, and the chairman's usually at the football club running things. So counting his, count, it, counting his money, bathing in. Uh, well, Gold coins. Probably, but I mean, you know, you've seen that. You've, you've seen most German at a match day. They come into the dressing room before the game and wish you all the best and things like that. But apart from that, you, you don't really have a lot to do. And you're the German that you know after they're under. Right, right. Just, uh, just finally, we've got a couple of uh, non-football ones came in um, for laughs, quotes, laughs. You're hosting <laughs> a dinner party, aka come dine with me. Who would you invite and why? <laughs> um. I got asked this question a bit ago. Uh, what did I answer? Um, Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, because I think he's brilliant. Um, speech is easy to make, and you know, there on back in. Um, I'd like to see to conversation with him. Um, I watched a documentary on George Mallory um, months and months ago. I said George Mallory. I think program Blackpool program. I said George Mallory who the British climber who got lost in 1920 or something, and they didn't find him well. They found him, uh, an American thingy team found him like, in late 90s or early 2000s. Um, and they knew if he got to Mount Everest, he would, if he were the first to get to Mount Everest or not. Um, and um, I'd like him there because I'd ask him if he got there. But like the equipment he got up there, the, to get where he got where they found him was like unbelievable. Yeah. We didn't know whether he'd been at top and fell. Um, it'd be so a nice, it'd be a nice chilled out guest as well, wouldn't he? Yeah, uh, well, he's, he's frozen to be fair. He's, not, he's still up there. I think. Um, what else would I like? I'd like, I'd probably like um, a, rather you know Pelly and Maradona, one of the world's greatest players. Just yeah. To, yeah. He had it in six and out, you know, and yeah. how he caught with all this pressure and success and all that. Yeah. Um, right. And I'd probably like, um, you know, Sir Michelle Geller because he's a little buffy the vampire. So. <laughs> and she's quite tidy as well. Yeah, and she's, well, she's getting hardy now. She's my age, but when I when I first watched Buffy, I was early 20s and she was unbelievable then. So. <laughs> I wonder if she's been yeah. to Bloomfield Road. <laughs> <laughs> Could have impressed with a few of your goals. Right, uh, it's finally. Someone's asked Desert Island Discs three albums you'd take with you. Um, three albums. Um, I like. I'd, I'd take. I'd have to take the the best. Of, uh, I, what do I listen to a lot? I love the Foo Fighters and I love the Killers. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to take a best of, and then. Um, there's that many. See, I like all my indie bands like, and, and all the bands from the ages. You know, I used to love, like, you know, like obviously Oasis and the James and New Order and Depeche Mode and all that. The, the old bands and, you know, all kind of genre. Um, right. So I don't know. I'd have to, I'd just have to. You could just take an iPod, yeah. couldn't you? Bob yeah, I'd just take it to you. Because I think each band has their own voice. They all have their own, they have their own ears. Um, yeah. You know, um, where um, they've been for whatever reason, they were in Supreme at that time, and you know, pretty much like all decent bands. Um, yeah, cool. So, 
Yeah, technically, I'd be honest, it'd have to be my iPod. Yeah, you, you take three albums and really, sneak, sneak your iPod in. classic um, rare tunes as well. I mean, that oh, yeah, I, mean, I used to be in all that, yeah. All the old yeah, school, yeah. So it just depends on mood on him, really, but um, yeah, I'd have, to, I'd, have, I'd have to take the iPod, because he's got all that stuff on it. <laughs> but doesn't uh, like to take three albums when you've got an iPod. Right. Right, Brett, I think we're on 50 minutes, that. Um, right, that's it. Um, just want to say thanks a lot, Brett, for that. It was really, it was really interesting and really... Uh, Really insightful and really appreciate you uh, coming on here and all, all the best for your future at Wrexham and I think I speak for all Blackpool fans saying just thanks a lot for everything you did at Blackpool. You are a living legend at uh, Bloomfield Road and we'd, we'd love to see you come back in some capacity in the future. Oh, thank you very much. I'm going to try and get the pictures done. <laughs> What's that? I missed that, sorry. I said I might have to come back as Grangeman and try and get the pictures done. <laughs> well, you uh, can't do any worse. <laughs> no, to be honest, it's not their fault. I think you can only work with what materials you're given. A Hessian sack and a load of seeds, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot for that. Anyway. Right, yeah. Um, no, thanks Thanks to you, Brett, for coming on. And um, uh, yeah, all the best. All right, thank you very much. Cheers, See right. you later. See you later. Bye. So, yeah, listeners, there you go. Uh, interview with Brett Allard, eh? How good was that? What a, what a legend he is. And, um, you know, he's such a top guy, um, taking all that time out to speak to him. And uh, the actual length I was on that conversation with him, it did not feel like 48 minutes at all. Um, it just, it went like that. And if I had a clicking sound effect, I'd do this. I had to do one myself then. But yeah, um, great stuff, eh, listeners? I hope you'll agree. Um, hopefully I'll, I'll try and get a few more of these interviews lined up because it was really good. Um, quick point, though, it did actually cost me eight quid because I had to use Skype out to call the mobile, so... If you did like this interview, you do want to uh, contribute towards these costs. Um, drops a couple of quid, seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash donate, and I'll keep more of them coming. Right, um, Barnsley on Saturday. Um, we'll come back to you after that, so tune in then for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Up the pool. You can subscribe to the Seasiders podcast in iTunes. Just go into your iTunes application on your computer or your phone, go to the search field and type in Blackpool FC or Seasiders, and then you'll find us in the podcast listings. Please do take the time to leave us a review or a rating, as it does help us gain exposure in the iTunes store. We also have a Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash Seasiders podcast. We're also on Twitter, at SeasidersPod is my handle. Follow me and I will follow you back if you send me a tweet telling me you listen to the show. We also have a blog, which is at SeasidersPodcast.co.uk. You can also listen to the show from within each post and also make comments on the show itself. We have an RSS feed, which you can plug into your Android podcast listening software, feeds.feedburner.com forward slash SeasidersPodcast. We also have a mailing list, which I encourage you all to join seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash mailing list and I promise that's spam free and finally we also have a voicemail comments hotline where you can call in your comments to the show and we'll play them out on the next available episode please do bear in mind there is a 90 second limit so you need to keep comments brief the number there is 01253 807 656 that's a local call local Blackpool number So, uh, once again, thanks for downloading, thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you on the next show. We're up the pool. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.